My name's Tim, and uh, it's good to have you with us today. If this is your first time here, we're glad you could be here with us. And uh, pick up a free CD of today's lesson or, or last week's lesson, if you like, uh, at the Welcome Center. That's that round table out there. Uh, they'll be more than happy to give it give it to you. Just tell them I'm a first-time guest, and Tim says I get something free, and you'll get that, okay? Uh, we're we're uh, in a series uh, on the fruit of the Spirit. Where our theme for this year is Sinking Roots and Raising Fruit. And God wants you and I to have productive and fruitful lives. And that comes when we sink our roots deep. That's why the bulletin covers the way it is. And uh, we're wanting you to focus. We're wanting our church to focus on sinking our roots deep in Christ, in His Word, in His promises, in His power. And from that, we see this fruit come from our life. And so, uh, if you've got some, you'll notice in the bulletin, again, there's a set of notes. We're going to be going through those. You can write little thoughts, do a little doodling if I get a little too long on something. And you'll be fine. Uh, just follow that along, as well as uh, a communication card that's in your bulletin. Uh, we, we take that up at the end of our service. So if you'd like a, like a prayer request or something you'd like, uh, maybe a commitment you'd like to make today based on what you've heard today or something that's happened this week, just fill that card out. Uh, we'd love for you to do that. And, and want you to know that we have a team of people who pray over those cards and pray uh, specifically for you uh, every week. Also, you're going to notice a thing that we're having a dig, Digging Deeper weekend with Stephen Craig. And he, he's the, uh, the guy that does Narrow Path on the radio. And he'll be with us here uh, on, on March the 1st and the 2nd and the 3rd. He'll be preaching here on Sunday on the 3rd. And I want to encourage the church to be at this. This is very good. God, Isaac, if God wants us to have deep roots and we're, and we're singing songs like Take Me Deeper, then you'd be interested in a seminar like this because it's going to take your faith deeper. And so uh, make, mark your calendars. Make sure you come to this. I think it's free, isn't it? As, uh, didn't we make it free? That's the best thing about it already. Look at that. That motivates me. And so uh, make sure you, you look that up. On the back of your, cal- uh, of your bulletin, I mean, on the back of your bulletin, there's two things. There's a night in Paris. This is for couples married or dating. Uh, for Valentine's Day, that's going to be happening uh, uh, on uh, the 15th, right? Yeah, the Friday night, the 15th, uh, here at Greater Alton. And uh, so if you want to know more about that, you can talk to people uh, like uh, Cassie Dennis. Cassie, are you here? Could you stand up and show everybody who you are? Right there she is right there. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we'll applaud anything, won't we? Okay. All right. I got it. Okay. And I want you to notice this uh, banquet. We're having our church banquet. And we're, gonna, we're doing a Hawaiian theme. And we'd like you to, not, you don't have to dress in a suit and tie or long evening gown this year. We're, we're, we're going to kind of take it down in casual notch. And we're going to have a great evening in the tropics. And we're going to be focusing on fruit. Uh, we're hoping, you know, like I say, it's going to be a great time. You're going to notice uh, uh, that you know, we need to get tickets so we can get a good count of the church banquet. It's going to be here before you know it. And uh, it was brought to my attention that um, if, you, if you'd like to get tickets, you can go to the Welcome Center. Anne will be, Anne will be there to take, those, uh, to take uh, the money there for those uh, tickets. And if you'd like to, it says here that if you'd like to do a digital, use the digital donation, our, our uh, debit or credit card feature that we have in the, in the in the smaller dome there, just specify special events and then bring that receipt to her at the Welcome Center and she'll make sure you're recorded as someone who's paid and signed up. Okay? That's a lot of stuff that's happening um, and that's going to be happening. I'm going to also let you know that we had a baptism yesterday. Now, Billy, Billy Davis was baptized and, and he's very bashful. He doesn't want us to make a big deal. So I've got to whisper. But he's sitting right over there. And Sean was pointing at him. Bill, if you could just if you could raise your hand. Just raise your just raise your hand. Maybe? No? <laughs> he was baptized last night. It was awesome. And uh, you know, after he got baptized his response was Whoa. I love that. You know, so I'm glad uh, to see that that study lasted several months and uh, it's great to have you as a part of this family, Bill. So we welcome you. I'll try not to make any bigger deal about that. I'll let you and God make a big deal out of it now, okay? Good to be together this morning, and um, glad you could be here during this series. We're looking at, we're looking at the fruit of the Spirit. You know, the Bible talks about this in Galatians 5. If you know if your notes up on your notes, as well as up here on the screen, look what the Bible says here. This is how much God wants you to bear fruit. Look what he says. But when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, and that's very important, that's the condition. If, if God's going to be going to create fruit in your life, 
if He's going to create maturity, if He's going to create a change in your life where you can actually experience a, a, a better and fruitful life, it starts with letting Him control it. Notice He's the one that says He will produce this kind of fruit in us. It, I can groan all I want, but that doesn't mean I can produce fruit. I can do a lot of things, and that doesn't ensure I produce fruit. But God does the producing of the fruit, and it's when I let Him have control. And look at the fruit that He, he produces. This is what it looks like. It has love in it, joy in it, peace in it, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And, he, and it says here in the New Living Translation, here there is no conflict with the law. In other words, nobody's got a problem with somebody being kind and patient. You can be assured, this is, a, this is, this is such a good life to live. I was thinking as we were singing uh, the song in the back behind it, they're thinking about how just God gives us, offers us such a rich and bountiful, fruitful life. And it's got things like, it's got love and joy and peace and patience, all these things. And they come when, he, when we let Him have control. And He wants you to have that this morning. He wants you to leave this morning with this fruit being produced in you. I thought, what a wonderful God we have. What a wonderful God we serve. Today I want to talk about peace. I want to talk about this idea of peace. Last week we talked about joy. Today I want to talk about the kind of peace, the peace that God wants us, you and I, to experience. And I don't know what you think of when you think of peace. I have some pictures I found that maybe you think of something like that. I've been to Hawaii. I've not seen that hammock, but I've seen scenes like that. I've been on Waikiki Beach or up near the North Shores or, or Maui. Oh, Maui. You just lay there. You know, you just, it's peaceful, quiet. The surf comes rolling in, you know. Uh, Denise and I were there, no kids. It was awesome. Maybe you think of peace that way, okay? Here's another one. It's a little polar bear, a baby polar bear asleep. Doesn't that make you feel all peaceful inside, even though you know it's going to grow up and eat people? That's all. That's all right. Sleepy peace. I need sleepy. I need peace. You know, sometimes we get, that, that we, it comes to that mind. Maybe that's what it looks like. Or maybe it looks like something like this, where you're maybe somewhere and the water's falling and it's trickling and you know, a little bird maybe doing something. And you're like, man, this is a great place for a quiet time. This is a great place to pray. You find peace in some way. Maybe that's what you, you think of when you think of peace. I want you to notice that all those pictures may conjure up a, some kind of peaceful thought. These, all those three of those are not the kind of peace that's going to last. Because once you leave the waterfalls and you get into your car, what do you do? You turn on the radio and the noise begins. Your cell phone. The mind's on the vibrate. It goes... Anisus goes, what is that? She gets, you know, the other night I was listening to a sermon on peace on my smartphone and I had earphones on. I'm laying there in bed. She's not, uh, I'm just in bed. She's in the living room watching TV. And I finally put the, you know, I'm listening late. And so I set the phone down. I shut off the sermon. He put me to sleep. Isn't that ironic? That. A preacher falls asleep during a sermon. I feel guilt. You know, trying to hang in there, you know, but I couldn't. And so, uh, and so, you know, the next morning we hear this, but it's real small, real faint. And I'm going, what is that? And he goes, what is that? Somebody's, somebody's cell phone's going off. Somebody's need to get up early. So she's up and trying to find it. Goes throughout the whole house. It's my phone, but it's on the earphones. And she finally goes, it's your phone. I go, it's mine. Yeah, you know, those noises, we need noises to wake us up. Sometimes we need noises to help us go to sleep. Does anybody here sleep with a fan on? Oh, my goodness. It's like you've got a P-38, you know. How does your cell phone wake you up? You know, you shoot your plane down? I don't know. What does it do? I don't know how you wake up. Well, we, you know, we get in a car, we turn on the radio. We, we, we live in a world of constant noise. In fact, uh, there was this uh, Today Show had a little blip about how we're having trouble finding peace and quiet. 
that we can't find quiet places anymore. It's because we're taking the noise with us. We're jogging and we got the earphones on. We're, you know, we're, we're at home and we've got the radio on. Or I don't. Many of you, when you first thing, first thing you do when you go home, guys, what do you do? When you hit when you get home. The remote. That on and off switch is even kind of wore out around it, where you've turned it on and off so much, right? You know, we and, and it was ta- they were talking about how it's hard to find quiet, and they challenged uh, challenged from the report. They challenged you to go try to go without your cell phone your iPad, your radio, your TV, everything for 24 hours. And there's a lot of people that can't. i got to have that. There's something about that, that noise. And I'm learning that it's not just noise, but I, I'm learning people are having a hard time finding peace and quiet in their life. I'm finding that to be true. It's getting harder and harder to find tranquility or peace, inner peace peace of mind. There's so many things that worry us, so many things that, that eat at us, so many things that are happening around us that it's just difficult to take it all away, you know, and kind of just block it out. I was reading some uh, websites from Buddha, uh, the Buddha and Hindu and, and Zhao and, and Zen and all the others, you know, and they're talking about the, the art of meditation and you got to push all this out and it sounds really good. That sounds like, oh, that'd be neat. Well, the Bible talks about meditation all the time. But that might get rid of peace, give you peace for a few moments. But God doesn't want you just to have peace for a few minutes or a few moments. He wants you to have peace all the time. Wow. Wow. How does that take place? How does that happen? Before we talk about that, I want to talk about three things that dis- disrupt our peace. They, they seem to disrupt our lives and create this this turmoil and trouble in our lives. What are they? The first one's problems. Since the world is not perfect, the world has lots of problems. And you know, we're kind of in the mix, aren't we? Kind of like the washing machine when it's the agitator's going and we're like a shirt that just gets get drawn into it. Because the world's imperfect, it, 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 uh, it's, a lot of this stuff is out of my control. And because it's out of my control... It happens. It happens all the time. All kinds of problems. Look what Job says here. This is up on the screen, not in your notes. But in Job 3, he says, I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest. Instead, only trouble comes. And Job could say that, couldn't he? Lost his family, lost his finances, his health. And he says, all I've got is trouble right now in my life. Doesn't sound very peaceful, does it? Maybe you could say that. You know, I just don't have peace. I don't have any quietness. I have no rest. I have no confidence in things. I just seem to have a lot of trouble all the time coming at me. And it disrupts our peace. Like noise, it interrupts our peace and quiet and tranquility. Here's another one, and that's relationships. And I believe this is probably the primary the primary source of a lot of disruption. If, you know, the world's not perfect, but people aren't perfect either. If you want to know if people aren't perfect, just look at yourself. Not just somebody else, folks. Just look at yourself. You know you're not perfect. I know I'm not perfect. And because we're not perfect, we we rub each other the wrong way. We do things that get on each other's nerves. We 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 hurt each other. We disappoint each other. Whether it's in a marriage or whether it's in a family or a workplace environment, it, it just happens. How many of you probably are working with somebody? that just rubs you the wrong way. Anybody here besides me? Yeah, see? Yeah, I wonder if they were here, would they raise their hand and think of you? Just a thought. Look at look what the psalmist says. Look what he says here in Psalms 120. I have lived along, too long with people who hate peace. I want peace and try to talk peace, but they want war. You ever been around somebody like that? They're just difficult. Alan one time said to me, Tim, you're being contrary. What do you mean by that? I looked it up. I think he's saying I'm being difficult. Yeah. He was right. But relationships do that. Even good ones. 
right now we're going to, you know, uh, we're, and, uh, May the 18th, we're going to be gathering for a wedding, and Matthew and Brian are going to get married, and I'm so excited. We're working on the house. We've been painting walls now, and we're, we're getting all worked up, and they've been going through premarital counseling uh, with Danny and Stephanie, and it's just, you know, it's coming. And Matthew has the days. He knows how many days. I don't. He does. Ask him. And there's going to be, a, you know, they're going to walk down the aisle. He, she's going to walk down the aisle. He's almost say, do you do this? Do you take this? Will you do? And they say, I do, I do. And I've always wondered, I've always wondered, what are they agreeing to? And they're going to find out what they've agreed to. When you say I do, you're agreeing to a lot of stuff. And even two people that are in love, you know, I mean, they they, they kind of sometimes they make you a little nauseous when you watch it. I love you. I love you too, Snoopy. You know, I love you. And I know some of you are thinking, yeah, wait till they get married. Because even people who love each other deeply, and we've said this many times, haven't we? We've said this. How come it's the people I love the most that I seem to be the rudest to? That I have the biggest problem with? And so, and it, it, maybe it's not, maybe it's not uh, the, uh, just the marriage, but it's in the work environment. It's in, on the campuses, roommates, friends, other family members, even people in your discipleship groups, somebody in your church. I'm surprised how many people church hop. Well, I got hurt. I got offended. And you think you're going to go to another place that's full of imperfect people and somehow avoid that? Relationships because people aren't perfect, they rub us the wrong way, and it creates lots of trouble, lots of turmoil in our lives. And there's a third one, and that's regrets. Regrets do this. What do you mean, Tim? I mean that you know the world's not perfect, and people aren't perfect. Well, I'm not perfect either. You're not perfect either, so we mess up, right? We mess up. We do stupid things. We say the awfulest things, and we have this regret. I don't know how many times I've had people tell me about something that's happened in their past. And even though they're a Christian, they're, they're struggling with accepting the forgiveness of God. They have regret. Look at this passage here. This is in Psalms 38, and this is David speaking. And he's talking about, he's caught up in sin. And he says, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. In verse 8 he says, I am numb and completely devastated. I roar, or in other words, I groan because of my heart's in turmoil. And so sin does this. And I, by the way, I'm talking, there's, there's two different people I need to address here. There's two types of people here. There's the kind of people who have this regret, like I just mentioned a minute ago, that regret, they look at their past, they go, man, I messed up, I've screwed up, and they, they become a Christian, but it's still difficult for them to have peace because they're worried about what people are going to think when they find out about that. Even though it's been forgiven. Even though it's been forgiven. They're still carrying the guilt and the shame. Maybe you're in that category. I want to reassure you this morning. i got good news for you. God's forgiven that. He's forgiven that. He's wiped the slate clean when you become a Christian. That's all gone. But there's another camp. There's another group of people that say, well, I want to feel good even though I'm in sin right now. Huh? Like, you know, I'm... I'm involved in this right now. I'm not dealing with it. I'm not going to repent of it. But I want to feel, I don't like this guilt and shame I'm feeling. If you're involved in sin that you're not dealing with, you're not going to have peace. In fact, guilt and shame are there so that you'll change. So there's a healthy guilt and there's the unhealthy. Which category do you find yourself in? Maybe you find yourself in both. But I want you to know it causes disruption in our lives these regrets. And the good news is that God wants to take away this, not the troubles you and I experience, but the troubled heart, the troubled mind that we seem seem to somehow develop when we're going through these tough moments, through these broken moments. Look what Jesus has to say. He says this to his disciples, and I want to make sure you understand that the context of this, he's saying this just before he goes to Gethsemane and to the cross. Everything's going to just fall apart. Denial's going to take place. Betrayal's going to take place. Um, 
Jesus is going to be beaten, rejected, crucified. The disciples are they're scattered all over the place. It looks like this, this movement that he has somehow been working on and investing in is completely disbanded and completely in trouble. And he says this, I am leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. I want you to circle that. Peace of mind and heart. I want you to forget what he's saying there. Because I want you to have peace of mind up here and here in your heart. And the peace I give you, he says, isn't the peace the world gives, so don't be troubled and afraid. Now, I want you to see something here. Jesus Christ isn't, wasn't interested in altering their circumstances. He wasn't interested in changing what they were about to go through. Follow me? He's saying, look, you know, I'm going to go through a cross. You're going to all betray me. You're going to either deny me or betray me or run from me. And you're not going to even act like you know me. Peter's like, never. You're going to do it three times, dude. You're all going to run like crazy. Only John's going to show up with my mom and watch this thing go down. You're going to be threatened. You're going to be afraid. You're going to hide. And they, by the way, didn't they hide after Jesus got on the cross? They locked the door. And, and he's saying, he's, and what does he do? Does he, take that, does he want to take all that away? Not, not at all. God is not interested. You say, but God, does he want to take away any of my, any of my circumstances, any of my problems? See, the world, get this, guys, the world says you have peace. It encourages us to understand this. They try to get us to understand the world says, if you could change your circumstances, then you'll find peace. If you, maybe you have to change a job. Maybe you have to change a relationship. Maybe, maybe if you had more money or more possessions or you had more things, then that would give you inner peace. You'd have financial security, we call it. And yet the world can't promise that. Right? They can't promise financial security. It doesn't, the, uh, the world can't promise health forever. My mother right now is in the hospital. This is on the heels of, of my mother-in-law passing away. And she's 80, one year younger, 81. And, and they, they think it's some kind of stomach thing, maybe that virus. They're not sure. They're still looking. And he's talked to her last night and said she can, she can barely get out of her room. I'm like, do we need to go down there, Denise? What's going on? And I'm thinking to myself, Tim, health is not guaranteed. It isn't guaranteed. Uh, you know, uh, are you worked up, Tim? Well, if your mother was sick, would you be worked up? Well, of course I'm worked up. So I'm asking God, give me peace in all this. Let me find your peace in this. Because he's not taking that away. He doesn't take, you know, jobs, do they, do they last? Some businesses are gone. You, jobs don't last. But if I had this job, why, I'd have peace. That's what the world says. And Jesus says, I'm not interested in taking you away from all of that. But giving you something while you're in all that. And that's a peace. Peace of mind. Peace of heart. In other words, Tim, it's not like the world's. Now, my peace is from heaven, not from the earth. The peace that you get on earth is temporary. It only lasts as long as the waterfall. Maybe you're at the waterfall. Or as long as you uh, have a moment where it doesn't seem like anything's going wrong, which is what? A few seconds or a few minutes. If you have kids, uh, nanosecond. You see what I'm saying? It's, the world says it this way. Jesus says, no, Tim, my, the peace I offer you is not conditioned on what happens to you. It's conditioned on what's happened to me, Tim. And I want to give you that peace. That peace comes from the cross. You can have that peace. How do I experience a peace like that? Well, I've got three... This is a very long, broad topic, so uh, I, I, I come up with three out of the many I had that I thought that kind of surfaced for me and spoke to me this week. And, and, and I, I want you to know, God wants you to experience this peace of mind and heart. He wants every disciple to experience that, church. And so how do I experience that? Well, the first thing I can do, I will experience God's peace when I trust God's power. I must trust God's power. What do you mean? I, I must trust that He's in control. 
you ever been around somebody who kind of takes control of things? I remember as a kid, I, I, I was a skinny little kid, not very big, and um, I got picked on a lot in school, a lot. I remember getting picked on in high school, and then my brother Mike shows up. Now, I've never met a Mike that's wimpy. How many Mikes do we have here? Oh, yeah. You guys are pretty tough. Guys. You can be pretty tough, okay? You know, Timmy doesn't sound... I'm not trying to knock all the Tims. I'm Tim. But let's face it. Sometimes we get a bummer name, don't we? Timmy. Timmy and Lassie. Lassie, come home! Oh, please. You ruined my life with that show, you know? Timmy, timid. It sounds the same. And here I am, and I'm going to school, and I'm getting picked on. And these two guys are giving it to me pretty good. And then Mike walks in the room, my older brother. All of a sudden, they're nice as pie to me. Why? Because they have lost control. Mike has control. And he's got that look like, are you picking on my brother? You see, Jesus Christ has much more. He, he, you know, Jesus was tough. was tough. Oh, he was meek and mouth. He was tough. And when he walked into situations, he had control. One of the things I noticed about Jesus Christ is that he did, not very many things shook him up. Have you noticed that? Big old storms happen and everybody's thinking they're going to die. And they wake him up. Jesus, how can you sleep? We're all going to die. He walks up and says, what's going on? Huh? What's wrong? Storm, look at this. We're going to, we can't swim. Peter, you know, he's going to say, come on, help us. Uh, and like a snooze button, he <coughs> goes back to bed. Peace be still. Where can I get one of these buttons? I like this. They go, who is this guy? Even the winds and the waves are waiting. Things that are out of their control, he controls. I want to assure you this morning that, that God is in control. It may not look like it sometimes. It may, and by the way, it may look like he isn't even around. But He is there. And if I trust His power, I can find this inner peace in my life. Look what He says here. And look what the Bible says in Romans 15. I pray that the God who gives hope will fill you with much joy and peace while you trust Him. See that? We find this peace from God when we trust Him. When we trust Him to meet our needs. When we trust Him to take care of us. Can you trust God to take care of you? You know, he doesn't want your heart to be troubled. Look what he says in John 14. Here. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. That's what it says here in your notes. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. He's saying, Tim, don't be troubled. Don't be all worked up and worried and troubled because I've got it. I'm in control. But God, if you're in control, why is these circumstances happening? These circumstances are going to happen anyway, Tim. But you've brought me into the picture. Just trust me. What happens to you, I've got it. I'll take care of you. And I experience God's peace when I surrender to this all-powerful God that can take care of me. When I believe He'll take care of my needs. It says here, and Paul said this in Philippians, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. You know what the Bible says? Don't worry about anything. It tells us as disciples, as Christians, don't worry. Pray. Pray about it. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. If you do this, you will experience God's peace. You're not going to experience God's peace when you're always wor- you're choosing to worry. Worry is a choice. It's a choice you and I make. He says, don't worry about it. Pray. Pray to a God and thank Him for all the things that that He's done, that He'll do. Why? Because He's powerful and He'll take care of you. He's in control. That's the first thing I need to do. If I want to experience God's power, it comes to, or experience God's peace, it's trusting in His power. Do you trust God this morning? When you do, you'll find His peace. The second thing is when I promote peace with other people. When I'll promote peace with other people, when I'm the person that's promoting it, I'm going to experience the peace of God. Why? Because God was the one that promoted peace. And He promotes peace. He is a God of peace, the Bible says. And when I'm promoting peace, I experience this peace. You say, well, Tim, uh, that's a no-brainer. 
I tell you what, I'm surprised how many people aren't interested in having peace with people. I'm surprised when there's a, a conflict that we don't want to solve, that we don't, or we don't want to deal with, that we don't want to reconcile. We don't choose to forgive. We don't even want to talk about it. We want to avoid it, sweep it under the rug. You say, how do you know that? You've done it yourself. I'm not alone in this. If I want to experience the peace of God, I need to promote peace with other people. Look at the Bible says here. It says, do your best to live in peace with everyone. And Jesus said these words in Matthew. He said, blessed are the peacemakers. The people who make peace. You making peace? Or are you making it difficult? You make it making peace in your marriage, or do you make it difficult? You making peace in peace in your workplace? Are you a peacemaker, or are you a troublemaker? You'll never experience God's peace if you just make trouble. If you're interested in getting even, you know, ratting out on people, guess what? Ripping people off, guess what? You're not going to promote it. You're not going to promote peace. You're going to you're going to promote more trouble. You're going to make more trouble for your life. Now, before we talk about how to promote this peace to those people, i got two disclaimers I want to make clear to you. The first one goes like this. Making peace with others is not avoiding the problem. I've done that many, many times. This is a, a, this is a habit I have that I have, to, I, have, I have to have constant help with. I'm thinking, well, you know what? I don't want to make waves. I don't, I don't, I don't want the, the hassle. So I'm just going to avoid the problem. I'll look the other way. I'll sweep it under the rug. And that doesn't make peace. That just makes the trouble more. It grows more and more severe. It makes a mess. That's what it does. It makes a big mess. And, and I heard it said this way this week, that unresolved conflict in relationships are like termites. They erode and eat away until the relationship crumbles. So making peace to others is not avoiding the problem. The other disclaimer goes like this. Making peace with others is not appeasing others. What do you mean? There's another problem I have. I'm just being upfrontly and honest today. Maybe you have the same problem. We're not helping anybody when we do this, folks, okay? And that's when, when I go, well, you know what? I want to make peace, so I'll let them just have their way. Let a person have their way. I'll be like a doormat. And I call this reverse manipulation. I'm actually helping a person manipulate me. They're not even trying to manipulate. I'm helping them. It's because I don't want to, I just don't want to trouble. I don't want to, you know, and, you know, uh, and, and, and so, well, doesn't the Bible say, you know, if they ask for your coat, give, you know, get your cloak, give them your coat. Doesn't it mean go an extra mile? I don't think that means appeasing people. I don't think he's meaning that. That's serving people. That's different. And so, the problem, the problem with this is, is this. It doesn't promote peace, but resentment. Am I right? It promotes resentment in our life. That's what I notice about it, okay? So how do I make peace with other people? Well, let's look at these. I've taken the acronym uh, P-E-A-C-E and to, to make this simple for us. How do I promote peace in my relationships? The first one is P. I plan a peace conference. I plan a time to get together and make peace with people. Look what the Bible says here. Jesus said these words. So if you're about to offer your gift to God to the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar, go at once and make peace with your brother. What's he saying? He's saying make the first move. Promote peace by making the first move. I want you to notice it says here. If, I notice in this passage he says, if you know, if you remember that your brother has something against you, you know what we like to do with that passage. Well, he's got something against me, so he needs to come to me. Why don't we solve that? Why don't we reconcile? Why do we? That, that's so third grade, guys. Well, he knows there's a problem. He should talk to me. Well, if you know there's a problem, why don't you go talk to him? In fact, Jesus encourages you to make the first move. That's how you promote peace. What I've learned is, when I let things stew and brew, they boil over. When I let them sit, they spoil. 
That's what happens in conflict in relationships. So, so one of the things I can do is, is I plan a peace conference. I deal with it. You know, I've learned this. I've learned this over the years too. As when I deal with things, when they're small, they don't grow and become this ogre that chews both of us to pieces. Because that's what happens. We keep putting it off, and I'm not dealing with it. I'm not dealing with it. It grows and grows and grows until I've had this happen to me. Maybe you haven't had this happen to you. It's destroyed relationships in my life where we're no longer friends because I kept putting it off when I could have dealt with it when it was manageable. So plant, be a promoter of peace by making the first step, making the first move. The second one is empathize with their feelings. Empathize with their feelings. What do you mean, Tim? Be sympathetic. Look what the Bible says here. Again, here's a principle. Be full of sympathy toward each other, loving one another with tender hearts and humble minds. What's, what's empathy mean? It means to feel. You know, Bill Clinton wasn't the first guy to say, I feel your brain. I want you to know that, that, that that's something that's in the Bible all this time. And by the way, when he said, I feel your pain, he won a lot of people over, didn't he? Whether he was sincere or not, I want you to know, when you empathize and you're sincere about, you know what, I'm seeking to understand how you feel about something, it makes a world of difference in promoting peace. I want to talk to you something that's personal. Alan and I, for several years, butted heads. You probably knew that. Many of you knew that. A lot of people saw it. It was destroying this church. And we'd get together and butt heads. He'd say tomato, I'd say tomato. It was, it was over. I don't even know what it was, really, all the details of what it was over. But it seemed like whenever one would speak, the other one would be in opposition. And I'll never forget this. I'll never forget the time when we were going through the peacemakers material. And he was talking about something that was really bothering him. And normally I'd go, okay. You know, I wouldn't even listen. And I'd go, I'm sorry that's happening to you. Now. I'll never forget it. He looks at me and goes, thanks, Tim. That was the beginning of us getting close. I couldn't be that simple. I, Denise and I, you know, we'd be, we'd be in a room, and Mal and I'd be arguing, and I'd get in the car, and Denise would say, you know you're saying the same thing, don't you? Huh? You're saying the same thing. I just found out from the first service, Chris was in the first service, and she said, that's Alan's wife. Said, I said the same thing to Alan. You're saying the same thing. I go, you know, Alan may be speaking in Chinese and you're speaking in Swahili, but and I know both languages, and I'm telling you, you're saying the same thing. Who are you arguing for? And the reason I think I was arguing with Alan was I wasn't empathizing. See, empathizing is seeking to understand the other person. And if you want to make peace with people, uh, something goes a long way, fellas, with your wives. Is you, you try to understand them. I know Foy. I think was it. Was it Freud that said, you know, of all the things that he's tried to figure out in the American psyche, no one can figure out what a woman's thinking. I don't know if that's true. You know, uh, I think if he could, some female doctor could probably say the same thing about men. You know, maybe. You think about two things, I guess, right? Yeah. But it, I just know that when, whenever I start trying to understand the person, start listening to the person, trying to understand what's going on, it just goes a long way in creating peace between us. It makes what we're talking about, we're able to talk about things in a civil way to one another. When we're able to empathize, when we say, I understand. You see, the difference between making my point and making peace is listening and seeking to understand what's going on. Now, how many times I've jumped the gun? You ever try to finish somebody else's sentence? I do that with my wife all the time. Thinking we ought to do that, blah blah blah. No, blah blah blah. Would you let me finish my sentence? Sure, blah blah blah. I was going to say that. No, you didn't say it. You don't know what the other person's thinking. Let listen to them. I'm a, I'm a terrible listener. I'm still I'm still learning how to listen, and I get lots of lots of challenge on that from some of you and from family members. They're not listening to him. So listen. And, and I'm, I'm telling you when, you, when you begin to empathize with people, 
you be, you're able to talk about things in a, in a civil and helpful way to one another. Number three, this one I, I find very, very challenging. Attack the problem, not the person. This. We get into a, a discussion with somebody and, and we go in there going, I'm going to talk about this problem. But it ends up going sideways and we end up having this discussion. And it goes crazy and you go, how did we get here? It became personal. It became personal. We got off track. We started fighting on another, you know, when we, we drop that topic, try another one, try another one. You know, when you start, I do this and I can't be the only person, but if I am, then I'm just confessing to you this morning. When I feel like I'm not making a point, well, I'll just start fighting on another thing. I'll bring up another thing. And another thing. Next thing you know, I'm fighting on three fronts. And I'm getting nowhere. The person's defensive by this time because now you've brought up so many things, they take it personal. So I need to attack the problem, not the person. Look at this passage here. Because when you talk, this, by the way, this is an international children's Bible. That's what I see these things for. It's written on a kindergarten level for us. Isn't that awful? When you talk, and you just hear a kindergarten teacher saying this, when you talk, do not say harmful things, but say what people need. Words that will help others become stronger. Then what you say will help those who listen to you. I think this is really tricky, guys. Okay, and so for me, for me to to, to fulfill this, fulfill this uh, idea, for you to fulfill this idea, it's a little tricky because we get the peop- the the problem and the person mixed up all the time. I sure do. And before long, I end up attacking the person, and I forget what the problem is really all about. How do I do that, Tim? What do I do to make sure I just attack the problem with the person? Well, like I said, I refuse to make it personal. How do I you make it? How do you make it personal? Oh, I can think of a few. How about name calling? I don't make it personal. Call them stupid. Well, that's dumb. Or you're an idiot or a retard. Oh, that'll start a fight real quick. We went from the problem now to you just call me a name. A little sarcasm. Oh, you said no. You mean a lot of sarcasm. You don't take much sarcasm to make it personal. Some of you. I have some people in this room. You, you are very sarcastic. And, and you make others chuckle when you're sarcastic. Okay? But if you were sarcastic to us, guess what? We wouldn't be chuckling. Like the other people that you're sarcastic to, we would feel the same way. Okay? But sarcasm, making threats, bullying people, strong arm, emotionally strong-arming people, Being condescending, these things make it about the person and not the problem. So I, I refuse to make it personal. I refuse to lie to them. This is a tough one as well. You guys, you know, if you want to solve the problem, want to make peace, it's, it's the problem that's causing it, not, not necessarily the person. There's a problem. If you can solve the problem, you're going to go a lot, lot further. And a lot of times, what we'll do is we, we shade the truth or we don't quite tell them everything that's up front. I have had several people tell me this, and I want you to know I appreciate when you tell me. I, uh, it may, it, at times it does discourage me, but it just tells me I've got a lot to work on. When I hear some of you say to me, Tim, I don't know what you just meant. You said a lot of stuff, but I can't tell. What, you know, could you be straight with us and not so wordy? Just tell me the truth. I'm afraid to tell the truth. Aren't you, afraid? you ever been afraid to tell the truth? I'm afraid, not that you'll get hurt. I'll get hurt. And so I just want to, I want you to know, guys, you know, that, that, that if you want to help somebody, you tell, you have to be up front with them and tell them the truth. You've got to, you've got to fight that, that, that temptation to shade the truth or to say it out of frustration, but to tell the truth and lie. And that, that fo- keeps the focus on the problem. And refuse to bring up unrelated topics. I mentioned that a minute ago. Just the idea that I've often thought to myself, okay, and how am I going to get to the bottom of this if I keep digging another hole? You know, and I do. I'll dig another hole, and I'll never get to the bottom of it. <laughs> 
And so when I keep bringing up another topic, another thing, or another thing, it just we just end up talking in circles. And some of you here are very clear when it comes to problems, and you stay on task, and I appreciate that about you. I watch you interact, and you stay on the problem, and you say, no, or, you know, I've big times when Denise and I will have us a, a discussion, a lively discussion. Okay, it's an argument, and here's what happens. She'll say, you know, you can say what you want, you can throw a fit, but I want you haven't answered the question, or, Tim, this is the problem. Well, I just can't believe you think that. Well, this is the problem. And when you do this... I don't like it. It hurts me. Now, she's not saying she hates me. She's saying the problem hurts me. And she stays on task till it's solved, till it's dealt with, or at least confronted. So I attack the problem, not the person. Do you get personal when you deal with stuff with people? Do you make it personal? That doesn't promote peace. Here's the, the fourth thing, and that is I cooperate as much as possible. I learned to cooperate. What do you mean, Tim? Compromise. Compromise? Well, you're not supposed to compromise. Like, I will never compromise. Well, then you'll, you're never going to get along with anybody. You'll never get along with anybody. I was trying to quote a song by uh, Diamond Rio, and, and, and that was, it reminded me. What's it called? Meet in the Middle? You start... Walking my way, you start. I'll start walking your way. You start walking mine. We we'll meet in the middle. Eat that old Georgia pie. You know. Oh yeah. I know I'm not Rio. Okay. But you know what I'm saying? It's like, what is that all about? What's compromise about? It's about yielding. Nobody's nobody's the same. You know what I'm saying? You're not nobody. When God made you, He broke the mold too. We're all different. And that's not sinful, just different. Now, there is sinful, and that's another thing. But when we're just, we're different. So you're going to do things differently than I'm going to do things differently. You're going to conclude things differently than I'm going to conclude differently. And so, yeah, we work on trying to work together, but we're going to, we're going to do things differently. And sometimes, to make peace, I've got to learn to cooperate. And that involves compromise. I, this week on the Today Show, again, I cut a little news clip where they found the longest married couple in the United States. Did anybody see this? 80 years. 80 years they've been married. He's 107. 100, yeah, he's 101 and she's 97. 80 years. They ran off and got married. They reloped and it lasted. Now, I'm not encouraging Matt and Brian to elope, but that's interesting. That's interesting. They asked him, what's the secret? And they gave several things. But the one I thought was interesting is the husband. He said, just go with the flow. What do you mean by that? It means that you cooperate. It's no longer my way or your way. It's our way. Somewhere in the middle between the two ways is our way. And that means you have to let go of your way a little. Yeah, and he or she needs to let go of their way a little. If you want to have peace. In marriage, you want to have peace in any relationship. You got to learn to bend, guys. I'll tell you, I don't know. I, I know a lot of people. They just they have really hard time with relationships because they refuse to bend. They just flat out refuse to bend. Look what the Bible says here about wisdom in James three. It says wisdom is peace loving and courteous. It allows discussion and is willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and good deeds. It is wholehearted and straightforward and sincere. And I want you to see that. Look at it says there again. It yields to others. See, if I'm wise, I learn to compromise. I learned that not everything is a mad issue. I learned to bend. Do you have to have it your way all the time? Most of the time? You like to have control? Is that the only way you have peace? Because you're in control? That peace will never last in that relationship. Only God's peace can make that relationship last. Here's the fifth thing in this little acronym E, and that's emphasize reconciliation, not the solution. Would you agree that no two people are alike? Just look around. You know, no two people are alike. We're all different. 
Look what it says here to the church in Ephesus, in Ephesus 4, or Ephesians 4. It says, You are joined together with peace through the Spirit. Do all you can to continue together in this way. Let peace hold you together. You see, no two people are alike. You think God made the church that way on purpose, or do you think it just happens to be that way? You think He made you different and me different for a reason? Absolutely. Absolutely. You see, you and I are not going to see eye to eye on everything. Hello, Walls. Am I right? We're not going to see eye to eye on everything. Wait a minute, Jim. Doesn't the Bible say that we're to be perfectly united in mind and thought? That's 1 Corinthians 1, 10, 11. You're right. In mind and thought. Not in action. You're going to have to do it like I do it, and I'm going to have to do it like you do it. See, we're all in agreement that Jesus is Lord. Amen? We're all in agreement that the Bible is God's Word. Amen? Yeah. We're all in agreement that to be a disciple, you have to make a commitment. Be totally committed to be a disciple. Amen? And make, you see what I'm saying? We're, we're in agreement to these things. These are concepts. But how you do it might be different than how I do it. You say, well, you're saying it's okay to be a different... I'm, say, I'm saying, guys, well, I think we don't try to do as much alike as we can and be as much alike, but it's impossible for you and I to do everything alike. We don't cook alike. We don't have the same taste in food. We don't dress alike. We, we do things differently. And there is, like I've heard many times, six one way and half a dozen another on how to do things. And so, does that mean I guess we just got to agree to disagree? Well, no, I don't think we should agree to disagree. I think we should agree that we're going to be different. Catching me? That we're going to be different. And, 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 and what? But we're in agreement to what the Bible says, of course. We're in agreement to what God wants, of course. We're all in agreement that we want to please God, of course. But you're, you may do it a little differently than me. You may evangelize a little differently than me. You may approach a person a little differently than me, though we both agree to do it in love. And to be honest. And I think we learn from each other when that happens. You see, I think we're too busy. Sometimes we're so caught up, and I've done this myself, I get caught up in... Well, what's the problem? We're going to solve that. We're going to, everybody's got to be in goose step with each other. And I can't find it in my Bible anymore. I can't find a place where it says we have to be lockstep in everything. I'm talking about in action. But there are some things, yeah, we're supposed to be totally united in. And when I want peace with other people, I can't expect them to do exactly what I do. That's what you, 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 you husbands and wives, that's been the, that's the big rub, isn't it? We want our wife, want our husband to do what we would want them to do. Well, how would we do it? You know, Denise and I, we, we take different routes to church. And there's times, I mean, last night we took out this way and went home this way. I think it's, I think it's five or ten minutes longer. And I'm wanting to say, why are we going this way? Let's go take 255 and cut off 10 minutes. It don't matter. It don't matter. We're going to get home. And so what I want more than anything else is unity and reconciliation with her, not that she do everything like I do. Because nobody can do that. I don't know if I'm making any sense, but I tell you guys, that, that's a big thing for me right now. Is to, is to realize if I want to make peace and there's and relationships are difficult and people hurt me, I've got to focus on reconciling and not so much on getting that person to do exactly what I want them to do. Here's the third thing, and then we'll be done. If I if I want to experience God's peace, it's when I make peace with God. You say well, that's good stuff, Tim. Yeah. It sure is, but I got to tell you. The Bible's very simple here. I experience the peace of God when I'm at peace with God. And many times the turmoil and the worry and the frustration and the tension in me is, is something that's going on between me and God, not just between me and someone else. 
And so I have to find a way to make peace with God. Look, it says in Isaiah 48, 22, There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. There is no peace. I want you to know, if you're not a Christian, I want you to know you're never going to find this peace that God's talking about. He'll always elude you. There's no peace for those that, have, that, that, that won't let God have any place in their life. For some of you here are Christians, and you're following, you've been following Christ, and maybe you've backed off a little bit. You've backed off of, of, yeah, you're letting God have a place, about this much place. You're not letting Him have your whole life, your whole heart. You're not going to find that peace that passes all understanding if you follow God bits and pieces with bits and pieces of your life. I know that's true. It's true for my life, true for yours. And you say, well, Tim, how do I know if I have peace in my life? Well, ask yourself this. Do you find yourself angry, frustrated, greedy, unloving? Do you find yourself unforgiving, lewd, rebellious, irritable, immoral? When those things are occurring in your life, that resembles more of war than of peace. Think about it. When I have these things in my life, I'm, there's, there's a, it's, it's indicating there's a war, not peace in my life. When, you, when, you're, when you're forgiving, you're yielding, you're serving, you're kind, you're good, patient, you, you know what you find there? The peace of God is at the center of this. You're at peace with God. It says in Romans 5 this, Even when we were God's enemies, He made peace for us. See how God took the first step? He made peace for us because His Son died for us. Yet something even greater than friendship is ours. Now that we are at peace with God, we'll be saved by His Son's life. There was a time, you know, when we're enemies of God. But He made peace on the the cross. He gives us access to His peace. It says here in, in Acts 10.36, There is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Let me ask you this morning, are you at peace? Are you at peace with God? Um, years ago, I found this little thought I thought was interesting. A guy named Horatio Gates Spafford was... Uh, an intricate part of putting Chicago back together after the fire that he experienced. Every, uh, so much, so many businesses wiped out. His business was wiped out. He lost everything. He's married. He was married. Has four daughters, and 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 they stayed in Chicago. And and he was known as a, a servant and as a Christian man. And he went around helping the homeless, helping those people that needed to get back on their feet put them before his own business and as, as he worked rebuilding Chicago, things were beginning to come together it's looking good again he still had a lot of work ahead of him and for several years he and his family planned to go to England and what, what we know about this guy is is that just before he gets on the boat he gets an urgent call, you've got to come back to Chicago we've got a problem here that only you can solve could you please come back, and he goes Sure, okay, I really, okay, I can do that. He tells his wife and four daughters, go on, uh, take the boat, I'll meet you in England. And then uh, he goes back to Chicago. Ship gets uh, just off of Newfoundland, Newfoundland, and it careens into another ship. And in 20 minutes, the boat that has his wife and four children on board sinks to the bottom. His wife is the only one that survives. He loses his four daughters. His wife, Anna, would send him a telegram and it simply said, Saved alone. He drops everything. Boards the next ship to England. And as he's on this trek to England, he finds out from the captain where this collision took place, where his four daughters carried. And he writes these words. In peace like a river, attendeth my way, and sorrow like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul.
My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it in the name. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. For my soul. And Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be signed. The clouds you roll back as a scroll. The trump shall resound. And the Lord shall descend even so. It is well with my soul. What's he talking about? He's talking about peace. He's talking about having peace and tragedy. And this morning, I don't know what's disrupting your peace. But if you want the peace of God, it comes from one decision. You don't have to worry about making it. You know what I'm saying? Making it inside. God will make it inside. It'll come out. It'll come out of you. You do that by surrendering the Lord. Look what the Bible says as we close. It says, submit to God and be at peace with Him. I don't know what's at the middle of your... If you've got some turmoil, some trouble going on, is it the world? Is it the problem? Is, is, it, is it a person? Is it you? Is it sin? Undealt with sin you need to deal with? Is it sin in the past? You just need to believe God is forgiven and you don't have to have any more regrets. You know, the Bible says, repent and turn to the Lord and your sins will be wiped out. And times of refreshing will come forward. What's refreshment? Peace. Peace. Could you use some peace today? May God help you find this peace. We have a card in your bulletin. And that, that uh, card, you can fill it out if you like. Simply asks, you know, maybe there's a comment you'd like to make or maybe a decision you'd like to make. Maybe you'd like to have a personal Bible study. Or like Bill last night, you'd like to be baptized. Maybe you'd like to know more about Greater Alton Church. We'd love to help you this morning. God is a God of peace and He wants you to experience His peace this morning.